What is up, everyone, and welcome into episode 40 of the Modern Drummer Podcast with Mike and Mike. My name is Mike Johnston from Mike'sLessons.com. My co-host, who will be joining me shortly, is Mr. Mike Dawson, managing editor of Modern Drummer Magazine. Boy, do we have a lot of stuff to get to this week. We're going to get to as many of your listener questions as we can. Our featured artist this time is Mr. Peter Erskine. We're going to check out some amazingly beautiful drum sets from the Kumu Company. We're going to check out their all-mahogany kit and their all-maple limited kits. And as always, we'll give you our picks of the week. So let's get started. Well, happy anniversary, brother. Yeah, big four zero. Big 40. <laughs> we are officially, our podcast is officially over the hill. Yes, it is. Freaking wear your hat, your dunce hat or whatever, with those things, the over the hill hats. And... Exactly, man. Dude, <laughs> thanks for doing this with me, man. Does that mean we've jumped a shark? No, jumping the shark is completely different. Okay. <laughs> you know what jumping the shark is? Not really. I remember Howard okay. Stern always talking about it. But Yeah, so jumping the shark is when anytime you do something so ludicrous, just you've kind of given up on the plot of your TV show, on your business. You just do something so stupid. So it comes from I believe it comes from Dukes of Hazard, where they actually jumped the general lee over like a great white shark and it became it literally became an industry term of like when you just give up on anything plausible you just jump the shark so that's what it's from i don't know how we so, would jump the shark we know. are the opposite of jumping the shark <laughs> trust me we are so the opposite uh we jumping the shark for us would be like man let's just talk about how great hydraulic heads are you know and it's like wait a minute someone's paying you to talk about it. there's no way you really think that hydraulic heads are dope yeah. now in a certain situation they are kind of dope or but we could uh, do the travis barker versus neil peart discussion okay that's jumping the shark there you go <laughs> like for for sports it's like let's only talk tim tebow when you're like dude he hasn't played in like three years what are you why are you it's doing this at johnny Manziel now exactly yeah. johnny football Ooh, yeah what a what johnny, a beautiful train wreck that is johnny no football Johnny, Johnny jail time, buddy. <laughs> I think he got indicted. He's 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 going down. Uh, anyways, uh, Johnny Football. If you're a huge fan of the podcast, we're sorry we shouldn't use our time to jump the shark with you. But so yeah, that's what jumping the shark means. All right. Well, let's uh, not jump the shark until uh, episode eighty. Episode eighty is when we just we just hand in our keys. We're like you know what, we gave it a good run. But no, I mean uh, I. It's hard to do something like 40 episodes and then not look back to that dinner at NAMM where this yeah. was just an idea. And in my mind, since I didn't know you guys that well personally, I mean, you and I were friends, but we weren't friends on a modern drummer level. So I didn't know really the inner workings of MD. And I thought in my mind at that dinner, I'm thinking this is going to happen. I'm doing this podcast and you guys are agreeing to do it, but I don't know if you'll actually follow through because maybe it's just a NAM dinner thing. Yeah. Like, yeah, we should totally do that. <laughs> um, so in my mind, it was like, well, as soon as I get home, I'm going to start working on this because I think it needs to be done. And then you you were actually pushing for it as much, if not more, than I was and keeping it on track. And so I really appreciate you taking this leap of faith and, and uh, associating such a huge brand like Modern Drummer with, uh, with this. It's yeah. been really cool. It's been a lot of fun. I still pretend no one's listening. I don't think, well, I think no one is, and then we have camps, and they know everything. These campers know everything, and they never call you Mike. I'm Mike, and you're Dawson. Hey. Every time. It's so funny. They're like, man, Dawson knows everything. He's like a walking encyclopedia. And I'm like, like usually on like your 10th compliment, I'm like, do you ever hear anything I say? Like, like my ego's starting to deflate, and I'm like, yes, he's very smart. That's why I brought him on the podcast. I know he's a genius. I can't play steady time, dang it. Yeah, <laughs> neither of us, neither of us can, man. So, but no, it's uh, 
I'm not ready to admit that anyone's listening either, but it is. It has been a lot of fun. So likewise, and I hope I hope you get as much out of it as I do because I know that I get so much every time you're explaining something to the audience. I mean, ninety percent of the time, I'm like, wow, I've never thought of it like that. It's a great point. So I'm learning just as much as they are. So. Yeah, I, mean, I feel like it's it's weekly lessons for me as well. So. Cool, man. Cool. Well, that's enough of us being nice to each other before <laughs> Tyler throws up. So, uh, okay. So, my day, bro. Oh, this podcast, this episode, episode 40 almost didn't happen. Yeah. What happened, man? Yeah. So, uh, by the way, thank you for doing the rundown today. I was not, it wasn't possible for me. So, I got up. Everything was good. I get up at about 7 a.m., try to get here about 8.30-ish, uh, get all my work done before the campers get here at 11. Then I'm with them from 11 until 10 p.m., and then I do the rest of my work. So I got up, everything was good, and I went downstairs to fix the food for the dogs. And I just started kind of cramping up a little bit. I was like, oh, that's weird. Like, hmm. I've got some stomach cramps, no big deal. And then I made the food for the dogs, and then it got kind of rough. And I just laid down on the couch, and then I started to not be able to breathe. And oh. then the pain became like childbirth problems. Like, like I mean, I don't know what childbirth is like, but it was it was scary pain and then i really couldn't breathe amber comes running downstairs because she can hear me kind of hyperventilating and i'm trying to tell her like babe i'm fine i got this just go upstairs you don't want to be around (laughs) get the hell out of here and so you know i don't know what's going on but i I knew that i wasn't doing well but i it was a pain that i've never experienced before so it was like abdominal pain so then i'm like okay amber's kind of freaking because she does i mean she's just never seen me in this kind of pain and i army crawl my way to the bathroom. I think that's going to be my safest place to be because I don't know what's going on. Yeah. I don't know if I'm going to throw up. I don't know what's happening. <clears throat> so I start army crawling through the living room. I make it to the kitchen tile. And right at that point, the pain becomes, I guess, too much. I don't remember, but I passed out and I went face first into the tile. What? And just blood started coming out. Like I woke up with blood all over my face. And Amber's on the phone with 911. <laughs> And and I and I wake up still going. I got this. I'm all good. Just go upstairs. And That's she's terrifying. like, "You're fine." And all I hear is like, "My husband's bleeding all over the floor." And I'm like, and I'm like, kind of woozy. I'm like, "Are you on the phone with somebody? Are you oh calling your mom?" Gosh. And she's like, "I'm talking to 911." It was, it was pretty crazy. All for really nothing. Just out of nowhere, crazy stomach pains. Not like a. I mean, I'm yeah. fine right now. So it's not like. What I mean, I don't know what. Yeah, I mean, I, I really hope that like. We're not going to get like 40 emails from doctors that listen. They're like, just so you know, you have acute art-a-heart-a-heart-a-paradidalsitis. And blah, blah, blah. <laughs> it's like, I'm fine. But it, it was at that moment, like when I finally kind of got my bearing straight, that's where I get the text from you. Like, are we good for 930 <laughs> East Coast Standard Time? And I was like, uh, honestly, bro, you're going to have to do the rundown. I'm not in a good state right now i'm trying to figure wow. out where this blood's coming from so anyways it was no big deal but it was kind of a big deal are so. you going to go to the doctor no <laughs> no heavens no bro that's i'm not, not about normal to, dude i'm aware of that that's what i'm I, you know i know it's you probably should get some blood work done i'm just saying <laughs> okay I'll, I'll get it checked out yeah I, I got camps man i can't i can't be slowed down by things like health that cannot get in my way Damn you, health. Man. But yeah, so anyway, so uh, let's get on to you. So you're, <laughs> I know that you've got a gig tonight and then you're flying to Vegas. Yeah, I'm doing a couple nights at this. There's a big country club out, not country club, a country music club called Stoney's. So I'll be there okay. Friday and Saturday night playing. And are you playing country music? 
It's you know it's it's kind of just Americana music. It's one of those genres that can fall into pop or alternative rock, like light rock or country, just depending on you know how much twang he wants to sing with that night. And then in this situation, are you guys featured entertainment or are you background music for something else? This is like a big kind of line dancing kind of venue. Okay, so they have. Uh, we're, the first night we're opening up for a national act, so we do a half hour set, and then the national comes on. And then the second night we're headlining, we do two two half hour sets, and and throughout the night there's like DJs and go to dancers, and I mean it's of course it's like Vegas, full, yeah, it's a Vegas style. So we just have we're, I mean even our headlining show is just an hour. It's pretty awesome. Wow, man! Now, as far as the drummer's responsibility, when you're not playing music to be listened to, but you're playing music to music to be danced to. Are you really conscious of not throwing in too many too much sauce and just really trying to make sure that people can dance to what you're doing, or is there any change in mindset for you? No, because this particular band, I mean, the 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 directive is just to play like Steve Ferroni. I mean, if if I play okay. the rack tom twice in a row, it's too many notes. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. So you're already in that mindset. Yeah, it's just straight gotcha. straight down the middle grooves. Cool, man. That's so awesome. Man. And they completely backline it, so I just have to show up with sticks, which is pretty cool. <sighs> Beautiful, yeah. beautiful. Well, have a safe flight, man. That's a, Thank you. That's cool. Now, do you ever – so when you take – that's like, what, a six-hour flight, seven-hour flight? Yeah, five hours, something like five, that. Five. Uh, so do you plan anything out for the plane ride, or is it just veg time? Well, I come back so early on Sunday that it's just sleep time. Okay. But tomorrow I'll, I'm probably going to take my laptop and try to get the next issue edited while I'm on oh, the okay. plane. I always want to do that and end up just – kind of meditating sleeping <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know? yeah no it's it's good i think uh i think the world c- forcing you to unplug a little bit is always productive for your brain it yeah. just needs that time you exactly know? I'm, I'm starting to the way that i worked out the four stage practice method for myself so that i could give it to my students i'm actually starting to try to do something like that with social media and see if I can kind of crack the productive code of social media a little bit better so mm. that we don't f- have so much wasted time paying attention to it. Yeah. And I think it'd be nice to pass that on to the students as well. So speaking of uh, flying places and the four-stage practice method, I'm actually Meinl is flying me out to a really top-end studio in Nashville uh, in May, so next month, and we're going to film – They've been filming their artists lately. I don't know if you've seen like Matt Garska yeah. and JP yeah. Bouvet. So that was a, a concept that myself and Meinl came up with like a year and a half ago. And so this whole time they're like, hey, we came up with this concept. Are you ready to be filmed? And I'm like, I don't think you need to film me playing yeah. drum solos. <laughs> like, it's not what I do. So so we finally decided like, what if we did a clinic and you filmed it in four chunks, the way you've been releasing these videos for your other artists, we could just release and I thought, oh, the four-stage practice method would be perfect for this. Yeah. Like, let's just release each stage as its own thing. So we're renting out a studio, and then we're going to invite – it's going to be free to the public, and we're inviting people. I mean, the studio literally only holds about 35 people, so we're going to pack it with as many people as we can and have a free clinic. So I'll definitely drop like all the information on the podcast maybe next week when I have – all the details, but uh, it should be. It's going to be a nice little little fun hang party at a at a really nice studio in Nashville. So that'll so be fun. How do you feel about giving away content like that? I mean, is it you just have to do it now? No, definitely not. I actually am very opposed to it. You have to really plan it out. So the way that it works in my mind is tips and tricks go to YouTube and Facebook. And these are things I don't feel comfortable charging for because I actually don't think they have any true value other than self-medicating. They're fun fills, 
but they'd honestly get you in trouble on the gig. Yeah. So I don't want to charge for that. I feel like, okay, that's great fodder for YouTube. Also, that content to me is a filter. If that's the content that you're really after, you probably shouldn't be on my website paying for education. You're not ready yet. You you yeah. just like the tips and tricks. No, And there's no problem with that. The only reason I can even play those things is because I was into them too. So that's kind of how that works. And then real legitimate education I charge for and I expect people to pay for it because it creates a bond between us. I charged for it, so I take it seriously. And you paid for it, so you take it seriously. Then the things like this, that's kind of one of those things that I have to weigh. Okay, I think this content is extremely valuable. But if Minel puts their muscle behind it, it can really help bring a whole new group of people that have never heard of me to what I do as an educator. Right. So it's kind of a it's a give and take. This is something that I wouldn't feel comfortable putting out myself because I'd only be showing it to the people that already follow me for free. Yeah. And I wouldn't feel good about that. Um, and it drives me nuts, honestly, with these people that start online drum lessons and it kind of doesn't work out the way they thought it was. So they immediately jump the shark and give everything out for free. Right. And I'm like, oh, stop. It, you know, it'd be like somebody starting, you know, Kick-Ass Drummer magazine. It's free. Hey, those, and you're like, hey, uh, those exist, hey. man. Oh, there's plenty it waters down the whole thing. Yeah. It waters down everything. Yeah. And so, yeah. So, so anyways, I mean, it, I don't know if people have realized it yet. Mike'slessons.com has been around for... I think about eight years, never once has had a sale ever, not 1% off of anything ever because mm. I don't, I'm not into it. It's like, look, man, the, the prices are exactly where they should be. You should pay for your education. I pay for my education when it comes to astrophysics because I can get all of that education on YouTube for free and I won't value a single ounce of it. Yeah. So yeah. I pay for my education. You tell me about cool books. I never, I mean, you can attest to this, but I never call you and ask you to send me a copy. I right. go on Amazon and buy it right? because then I value it. Now, you could easily send it to me, but actually when things come for free, it kind of bums me out because I'm like, I know this is going to sit in the back of my studio now because right. I didn't pay for it. Yeah. So anyways, yeah, this the thing with the four-stage practice method, I think it's extremely valuable, but I think Minel has a much bigger reach than I do, and I just kind of determined it was worth doing it for free because it could really grow – uh, awareness to what I'm trying to do as an educator. So okay, sweet. Well, we'll look forward to that. So we, I have a huge stack of questions. So let's get into them. And we always get through those so fast. <laughs> <laughs> Tangent time. Let's go. Oh man. So I'm going to see how many we can get through. So this one, this one's actually relevant to me, and I, I wish I had an answer, but maybe you have a, uh, some tips. So this is coming okay. from Aaron Steele, who's a great drummer. Um, I follow him on Instagram, and he always puts up really awesome grooves and stuff. So he wants—he's been a professional drummer for more than ten years, and in his newest gig, he's hitting harder than he's ever has in the past. He's changed his cymbals, his sticks, his heads, and drums to accommodate the demands, but now he's getting really bad blisters. Sure. Um, so he wants to know if we have any remedies or ideas for how to build up tolerance. Um, pre- previous to this, he was playing mostly electronic music and neo soul. So this okay. it's like a new rock band that is kind of killing his hands. And are you allowed to say what rock band it is, or is it kind of underground? He doesn't say, but I think it's Portugal the Man. Okay. I believe gotcha. he's out with Portugal the Man. Aaron, you can okay. email me and confirm that. <laughs> uh, well, first of all, do you have any tips? I mean, I definitely went – I had to go through this at the beginning of every single tour. So yeah, I definitely I mean, have some tips. I I have one band that requires me to hit super duper hard. And for me, it's when my hands sweat and the skin just gets kind of soft. Yep. It starts to tear mm-hmm. open. So I uh, I actually have used the the grip tape stuff, the Vader grip tape 
that has okay. seemed to help because it's it's like a leather that kind of absorbs the sweat, so it doesn't. So I'm not feeling like the uh, the skin starts to rub off. That helps. I use new skin a lot. New skin, absolutely. Um, and that's there's not really much else that I've been able to to deal with. I mean, I think it's just a. I think it just it'll. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the solution is. The grip tape definitely helps me. New skin. Once I get the blister, it keeps them from ripping open. Yeah, I mean, I went through it where any time away from my touring life was spent trying to develop everything other than what my band was doing. So we would go out on the road for, say, six months and just, I mean, it was heavy, heavy drumming every night, tons of sweat, tons of blisters. It was always a a process. First week, blisters. Second week, they rip off and open and i'm in some serious like almost cry level pain and then third week they are massive calluses and i never have a problem for the rest of the tour problem is then i get home and all i want to do is work on fusion my pete magadini lessons that he's given me so i'm back to playing soft my hands soften up and then it happens all over again so i can say this aaron definitely try when you get home from this tour you'll have some good blisters try to make sure that you spend at least you know maybe 30 minutes running through your band's set at as as much full volume as possible so that you keep the blister or keep the calluses that you're getting um the other thing is i used new skin a lot i mean i would gaff tape my finger I'd do everything i could but new skin was a huge help and it smells like bananas which i love so that's <laughs> good uh but uh jp bouvet i don't know if you know but he took over for garska on the uh tour with steve Vai oh, and you know yeah. betancourt right, right. Um, generation x so this is his first time ever playing a rock gig ever you know, he plays rock yeah. music for himself, but he's never had to play. I mean, he's playing with Tosin from Animals as Leaders, yeah. Steve Vai, Nuno Betancourt. Yeah. Yes, uh, Zach Wild. So he got his first set of touring blisters. And so he found a, uh, a new product by Band-Aid, the company, Johnson & Johnson Band-Aid. And it's called Blister Gel Guard. Um, and it protects and cushions painful blisters. So hey, just cool. go to Walgreens, Walmart, whatever, wall anything, and find Band-Aid Blister Gel Guard. He said... Literally, his quote is, if you've got to play through blisters, these, in all capitals, things are way dope. I love well-made <laughs> things, and these guys are blowing my mind. So uh, to get there some. you go. All right. What are they called again? They are called Band-Aid Blister Gel Guard. All right. Beautiful. Oh, and it says four toes, but then they have fingers on the on the front. <laughs> <laughs> Unless that dude's toes are hella long, I think that actually might be the case. Oh, Anyways, man. but uh, he's using them on his hands, and he says they work great. So, all right, good luck, Aaron. Let us know how it goes. Uh, this one came from uh, Max Max Anderson. Yeah, he's got a legal question. So, um, is it legal to transcribe drums from published songs and then give away the PDFs of the complete transcription? Is it legal wow. to sell the transcriptions? Um, do you have to deal with copyrights and royalties? Uh, so, uh, and what about complete transcriptions for every instrument in the song? I know that once you get into transcribing melodic material and lyrics and chord changes, you're going to have to pay out. Okay. Technically, drum parts can't be copyrighted, but the name of the song could be copyrighted. So if you call Ooh. it Moby Dick and you transcribe it, you're probably going to have to get clearance if you're starting to sell it. But technically, drum parts are not copyrightable. Otherwise, we'd all be having to pay royalties to every <laughs> drummer that's ever played the drums. I just I can't imagine though. Like on your website, it's like 
that song with the cool part by Led Zeppelin. Because <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to deal with no copyright. Oh, man. Yeah, I, I had no idea about this. When I, I got the question when you forwarded it to me, and I was like, wow, I, I don't know, but you're writing a you're writing into a guy that is the managing editor of a drum magazine i'm sure mike would know so that's yeah a, that's cool i mean thing. we've run tons and tons of drum transcriptions in the magazine and never had to pay royalties or or copyright deal with copyrights or anything but but i know like how leonard who does transcription books they have to get like they have a play-along book of a bunch of police songs well they had to get the you know the permission to do all that sure uh, and especially once you start transcribing the actual song that's when you're going to get into issues. But if you're just doing it for yourself or to give to your students, I don't think you have any problems. Once you start charging for it, you should probably contact a copyright lawyer just to make sure. Yeah. We used to actually, we, we ran into that in Mike'sLessons.com pretty much in the very first few live broadcasts, or I mean few hundred live broadcasts. I, anytime I would demo something on the drum set, I would always try to find a song to demo it with. Mm. But it, I mean, these were like hit songs, and I would I would play the whole thing. You know, it wasn't like twenty yeah. seconds. I, yeah. And the and I'm charging for this broadcast. And then uh, we finally got contacted, and they said, "Hey, uh, feel free to not do that. Con- yeah, never do that, <laughs> or contact us and work something out." So now I'm really. That's kind of how the whole Dave McKay thing started. I was like, Dave, I need you to write me songs that fit these lessons because I need to have a musical environment to put them in. But I can't use you know, "Don't Stand So Close to Me" by the Police. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, so I, I ran into it as well. I mean, different scenario, but it, copyright is real. Yeah, and that's why if you look in, uh, if you have Peter Erskine's Play Along apps, his, all the songs that he includes are actual tunes, but he doesn't use the name and he doesn't include the melody. Oh, wow. So, like, okay. the title is sort of similar to what the jazz standard tune might be, so you'll figure it out eventually. Right. But that's, yeah. that's yeah. the only way he could do it. He couldn't call it softly as in the morning sunrise because he'd right. have to get the clearance to do all that. Yeah. You're taking the B train. Not right. Taking the A train. <laughs> right. Yeah, I gotcha. Take, <laughs> take the B train. Get on the rails and go somewhere. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> on Black Dolphin Street. All right. Cool. All right. Here here's another one. This one comes from Zai from Singapore. That is my boy. He is interested in uh, competing in some drum off type things so he okay. wants to know what do we recommend he do to prepare for that do we should he establish a theme or should he just focus on showcasing his chops should he use a click track or a backing track um, just any kind of tips sure well zai zai's been to two camps now he was actually our very first camper ever from singapore and last time he brought four friends with him from singapore to oh, camp wow. so we had like a whole singapore contingent awesome here i can tell you this we really, as Americans, need to step up our game. Uh, I've got a kid here right now from Thailand. We've had people from Singapore, Macau, China. The way the Asians are tackling drum set is, it's it's honestly the way the Europeans tackle basketball. It's all fundamentals. These guys mm. have so much pocket. Their timing is flawless. They never play fills over their head. Every time I try to teach them something, they always say, can you slow it down more? Can we do it at 30 BPM? They love slow. They mm. love note-by-note note precision. And it's it's really inspiring, man. The kid that's here right now, uh, his name is Mint. He's here from Thailand. He's inspiring all the other campers because he's pretty advanced in, in regards to the other campers. But he will play everything 10 times slower than any of them will. 
And they're like, wow, maybe there's some correlation between how clean you are and how slow you practice yeah. and how methodical you are. So I can say that Zai is, a, is an awesome cat. He's a he's like a pro drummer in in Singapore. He does about five nights a week of gigging. Uh, so he's a he's a playing cat. Um, as far as the drum solo thing. <sighs> I, I've judged them, and now I have to play them in clinics and, and in drum festivals. I can tell you this. The drumming itself, the notes, the rights, the lefts, and the kicks, is almost secondary to the storytelling, if not absolutely secondary to the mm. storytelling. It's If you watch uh, Steve Jordan does this thing, I think he was doing it for Yamaha, and it was like it was at some sort of NAM-type thing, and he's just playing a Yamaha club kit, and it's like a probably a five-minute drum solo, and he literally plays beats the whole time. Yeah. And the crowd is glued to him, like it's because it's all in his face. It's all in the storytelling. He lets the themes develop. So, I mean, it, it really comes down to being able to tell a story, find some environments that you feel comfortable with, maybe a groove that you're really comfortable with, and say, okay, this is now no longer a groove. This is a rhythmic environment that I'm going to explore. I can't leave this environment, but I can explore this environment and keep a thread together. And the last thing I would say is. Just really obsess on anchor repetition. Find an anchor that every two to four bars can hold you and the crowd together. It's something they can predict. You can have, I mean, if you want to, the perfect example of anchor repetition is the Modern Drummer 2003 Festival. Find it, uh, get the DVD, or you can even find this clip on YouTube, but it's Nathaniel Townsley. And his entire solo is built around the downbeat of one and the of one. One, e, uh, two, three, four. Do some cool stuff. Three, four. One knee and up. And it's one of the coolest solos ever. So that's anchor repetition. If you can find an anchor that can tie you and the crowd together so they can predict something, it'll go a long way. Yeah, what about cool. you, bud? Well, I, I did actually try the drum off a couple times when I was uh, in college. And I went. I took the approach of I'm not going to prepare anything. I'm going to go complete jazz style whatever whatever the mood hits me is what i'm going to play yeah man so yeah, man <laughs> in theory that sounded super cool but <laughs> in in practice when i realized that the, you know because when i do the store the store contest you know whatever it's a regular drum kit it's i can handle it it's pretty pretty normal but when i got to the regional final it was like fog machines and lights and huge pa right. system and the drum kit was definitely set up for like gospel chops and not a free jazz drummer <laughs> so right. yeah not a free jazz drummer <laughs> I love like, it. i'm pretty sure the gates were set at like 100 decibels so if you didn't yeah. crush the toms they weren't even going to make any sound so so i just completely fumbled in the regional and the splash symbol f like flew off the stand so it ended up just i was like All right, let me just play it I'll do something with my hands with the splash symbol and the snare drum. It was just stupid. It just didn't – not having a, a <laughs> plan, just my, for my plan to be to not have a plan was really dumb. It was just not, right. not smart. Sure. And the guy who ended sure. up winning went out and just played over the jazz standard Olio. He just used that yep. as his reference for rhythm, this rhythmic reference. Killed everybody because he just played a song. For, and it's yep. only like two minutes. I mean, the the limit back then was like two and a half minutes or three minutes. So he just, I mean, there was guys doing left foot clave and double bass, and I was trying to be like Vinny Cayuta, free open solo guy, and he just killed everybody just playing a song. That's and he started hey man, with brushes. Really? Yeah. He just I can tell it. you this: if you record yourself tonight, Zai, playing a song in your in ears, 
but don't record the music. Only record your drumming, but kind of solo over the song, but let the song keep you on track. You'll actually find out that solos sound great with verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, double chorus, out. Yeah. Um, You know, because it's people can follow it. The thing is, I mean, you and I have been in the crowds, and I won't mention any names, but we've been in the crowds for the Uber drummer guy where it's 20 minutes of the most mind-blowing drumming ever, but they're not really telling a story. And it only takes about three minutes for that effect to wear off, and I'm actually pretty bored. Even though my mind knows you are doing things that I won't be able to do for the next 20 years, my human soul isn't being touched at all. And it's just like, okay... I know this is hard. I, I mean, I'm a good enough drummer to know that this is really hard, but it's doing nothing for me. And I've, I always use the analogy of like, if you went zero to a hundred in a Ferrari on the freeway, the zero to a hundred, which takes about seven to eight seconds, would be incredible. But after that, you would just be sitting on the freeway with no inertia at a hundred miles an hour. You'd yeah. feel nothing. Yeah. And that's kind of how I feel when drum solos don't have a plant. It's just kind of a display of how amazing somebody physically is. It's like. Man, I'd rather listen to Steve Jordan tell me a story by building this, building a basic groove over five minutes. So. Yeah, exactly. Oh, speaking of solos, I totally forgot to tell you. I went and saw Dave Weckl the other night. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I saw him play with uh, Oz Noy and uh, left-hand Jim, Jimmy Haslip on bass. Nice. Dude, I, it was so rad. I took uh, the guy that created the Groove Scribe, Lou Montuli. Yeah. I took him with me, and I was like, look, you live in the Bay Area. Dave Weckl's coming to town. We have to go. You need to see one of the greats. And I'm like, I promise you, I, whatever you think of me, just wait till you see Dave Weckl play drum set. <laughs> right. And then you will understand why I obsess over these people. And uh, so we went, and he was doing his gig. He played the Osnoy gig, and it was it was cool, but it was he was playing a gig. But yeah. then he took a solo at the end. Bro, he still got it. Uh, yeah. he, he doesn't still have it. He is at the peak, right? Oh, he! I was like shaking and almost crying. I mean, I was like a Michael Jackson fan. <laughs> I was at, I was touching the stage itself, where they it's a jazz club, so you can get pretty close. And I'm sitting there holding onto the stage, making sure that we never make eye contact. I've never met him, and uh, but I was oh, dude, it was heaven, heaven. And then, best thing ever, I was telling my wife was trying to still understand why I'm so scared to meet Dave Weckl. And I'm like, man, I just he, I've, I hold him up so high. He has no idea what I do or who the hell I am, and I don't want him to let me down. And then this morning, I woke up to a picture from Dave Weckl in China with the guy that took me to China last time. And he's like, hey, man, I just want to let you know I really love what you do. And uh, and you know, uh, and it was just a really wow. nice thing. And it was a picture of my buddy Miko and Dave Weckl. And I was like. And I think now the reason why I don't want to meet him is I love being a fan. That yeah. two hours driving to the club <laughs> yeah. thinking that I'm going to go see Dave Weckl was just so amazing. And then the two hours home buzzing about every note he played, I don't ever want to lose that. Oh, yeah, That would suck if it was like, oh, that's my buddy Dave playing drums. Like, <laughs> no, that was Dave freaking Weckl, man. That was awesome. <laughs> so anyways, I just want to let, I forgot to tell you, I, I had an absolute blast and he sounded better than ever. Do you remember anything about his solo? Any little motifs? I, I do actually like. No, I don't. Um, <laughs> no, I do. Well, I one thing I do remember is um, it was. I mean, you know, Dave. He kind of. It seems like it all is being held together, but there's nothing holding it together. He's the king of it's. It's free, but you know, he knows exactly what he's doing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the one thing I do remember though is I think you and I are at a level in our drumming where whatever you're doing on the drums, I've probably seen it before, so I can't do it, but I at least know what the heck it is. But since I was sitting on the stage almost, I could really see, and there were like probably three times that I was positive he was ripping some crazy double bass stuff, and I looked down, and I'm like, his left foot is on the hi-hat. Like, oh, wow. 
his his seamless tr- kind of I guess crosstalk between sixteen inch floor tom and bass drum. It's so seamless. I couldn't tell. I mean, it, he was blowing me away. He was physically taking me back to being a child where I was like, I don't know what he's doing, and I love it. Yeah. So, yes. yeah, yeah, I had an absolute blast, man. It was, it was great. Right on. Well, you want to do one more question? Yeah, we can do one more. All right, so this one comes from Jeff. He is um, wanting to know if we can share any tips or insights on how to best use acoustic foam around the drum set. Uh, he's read tips about putting foam on the ceiling to catch some of the cymbals. He's... Uh, or different reports about surrounding the entire kit with foam. Um, so he wants to know if we have any tips, because you and I have both uh, done a lot of this. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead, Ben. All right, so for my studio, I have very short, I have very uh, low ceilings, so I definitely put foam over top of the entire drum set, because if, if, if the cymbals start splashing off the ceiling into the mics, you get something called comb filtering, which makes your recording just sound really blurry and, and just not good. Uh, so over the entire drum set, I have foam. Um, as far as where I put it on the walls, uh, basically anywhere that you can see a flat piece of wall, like in front of the kit, I'll put a piece of foam. But then directly opposite that, I won't put a piece of foam. So ev- there's there's never two flat walls facing each other, and there's never two pieces of foam facing each other. So that way you get still you still get some room sound, but you're not going to get all that bounce back from it hitting two flat surfaces and just going back and forth. So that's a basic concept if you're not trying to just make the room completely dead. So we're just so kind of stagger it. So put a piece of foam on the right wall, but don't have a piece of foam directly opposite on the left wall. And that's that's one approach to keep some room tone, but get rid of any kind of comb filtering and phasing and that sort of stuff. Nice. Yeah, I, I would say that uh, follow Dawson's lead because... I honestly built my facility. Whatever you're seeing on YouTube, whatever you're seeing on Facebook that I'm posting, I built my facility based off of looks, just to be 100% honest. I knew that I was building it for cameras, and I built it for cameras. And I've been struggling with the sound in this room since day one because I straight up built it for cameras. Mm. So, I mean, I get a fine drum sound, but it's nowhere – now that my ear is getting more in tune, it's nowhere near what I want but it was it was built to to look a certain way so um you know if you're doing it to record looks don't mean anything you know just make it sound good so yeah and trial and error trial and error for sure yeah exactly and bass traps in the in the corners definitely helps which are basically bass traps just big square pieces of foam that i put in any any corners of the room yeah if you want to save some money i can tell you right now check out uh foamfactory.com and that is a so if you go to Oralex, it's going to cost you a grip load of money, which is no problem. They make a fantastic product. But if you need to save some money, which a lot of musicians do, go to uh, foamfactory.com or just find the Foam Factory on eBay. And they are a company that makes just foam in general, but they'll cut it in whatever shape. So meaning that they, they make mattress foam, but if you want to cut it, they'll, they have all the studio shapes too. So they do sell like acoustic foam. It's much cheaper than Oralex. I'm sure the quality is not quite as good for sound, but it, it'll it'll get you through for sure if you're just trying to deaden the room a bit. Yeah, and I found, <clears throat> excuse me, I found all my foam uh, just scouring Craigslist because they're yeah. guys are constantly building and, and shutting down studios. So yeah, you might get lucky. Great. Like I found a ton of stuff for 250 bucks. Like my entire foam setup was 250 really? bucks. There you go. So, yeah. Go for it. Craigslist is your All friend. Right. All right, let's move on. So that's it. We have a ton more questions. We'll get to them uh, as, as quickly as we can, but keep them coming. MDinfo at moderndrummer.com.
I knew that. All right, it's time to move into our featured artist this month. So we are on the June issue of Modern Drummer. If you haven't seen it yet, it's got the glorious Peter Erskine on the cover. Peter Erskine is one of those guys that... One thing I love about Peter is it doesn't matter what generation you are. You have your time where he was like your guy... But that never ends. Like, there are people right now that are just discovering him. Like, oh, yeah, I'm really into Peter Erskine right now. I'm like, oh, really? Like, the the old stuff? And they're like, no, like, wait, what old stuff? And I'm yeah. like, oh, no, this dude's been around. Hey, like, yeah. did you see that uh, star, that Thomas Star video he did? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm like, uh huh. So, um, so when in your life did Peter Erskine show up? Oh, man, that would be teens. The same time as as all the there's like that crop of early '90s fusion jazz guys. Yep. So the same time as Weckl and Dennis Chambers and Vinnie Cayuta and Will Kennedy and uh, Omar Hakim and Tris Imboden, like all those guys. Yeah. Uh, that kind of Peter was one of them. And for me, it was because I went on a spree of buying every drum video I could find. And his two early DCI videos, everything is timekeeping and everything is timekeeping part two. Yep. They like like Dennis's videos were just inspiring and and amazing to watch drumming. Peter's videos were so informative. They were probably the best educational videos I'd seen at the time. And so he single-handedly got me comprehending straight ahead jazz with those two videos because it's all about you know there's practical exercises in them and he, he his playing is amazing. He's playing with the John Abercrombie trio on the videos. So Yep. I watch them well, the every other thing, single day. In those videos, you know, at the time, I think that DCI and then eventually Hudson stuff, they were trying to make educational videos with star drummers that weren't educators. And Peter was one of the first videos they made where the guy was actually a professional educator. Yeah. Uh, and so it really came across because, you know, I think you and I both had the Dennis Chambers one. There wasn't the, – it wasn't meant to – it was I, – I only watched the performance stuff with uh, – who is it? Schofield or McLaughlin? Yeah, it was a Schofield uh, band. Schofield. So I only watched those clips. And then with the Chad Smith thing, I'd only watch him do the play-alongs to Chili Peppers songs. Yeah. But then I think the two that actually I was like, whoa, those guys can teach was Peter Erskine and then uh, Rod Morgenstein had one. Oh, yeah. And and that was like at the height of like the Dixie Dregs thing and everything. Yep. But yeah, I, I'm one of those guys that is actually more like a kid now where I was like, this guy's amazing. I saw him because of the videos you mentioned. Then I started getting into his playing and it was honestly almost years later that somebody was like, oh, are you like really into the weather report stuff? And I'm like, Peter Erskine played with weather report? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and, you know, and they're like, uh, it's like. That was like his main thing, Steely Dan. And I'm like, wait, what? And then I, you know, and then I go back and and this, there's no Wikipedia at this time. I'm like, wait, how do I? Yeah, I go to Tower Records and I go buy the albums, you yeah. know. And I he's went got to the like, library and borrowed them. Yeah, I'm like, he had a ton of hair. What's going on? This is awesome. Yeah, body so, hair. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, they all did at that time. Uh, there's actually, if you go check out Kim Plainfield on the uh, on his book cover, that's yeah, that's uh, he's. Yeah, he's damn near got dreads coming out of his chest. <laughs> um, so, anyways, uh, <laughs> you can edit that out. No, but, uh, I don't think so. Maybe wax <laughs> he waxes chest hair. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, maybe. But yeah. So, anyways, I, I like I said, Peter Erskine is one of those guys where, depending on where you find out about him, you think that he's the new cat on the scene because he's always coming out with something new 
that makes you think, oh, this guy just got here. Yeah. And it is if you don't know a lot about drumming, you know, and you're just kind of getting into it. It's like, yeah, there's this new jazz cat. His name's Peter Erskine. Yeah. Uh, and then you learn about it. And it's like, oh, my goodness, this guy. And now what's really cool, at least for the people that I'm friends with, he has become the Freddie Gruber. He's become the Jim Chapin as far as people come and really brag about I'm taking four private lessons with Peter at USC. Yeah. You know, right. Um, it's it's they're kind of like no and these are professional drummers that i'm talking about they come to me and say like yeah it's time for me to kind of go to that next level so i'm going to have peter take a look at my playing and that's what weckle did with gruber and yeah. you know it's like oh i mean i remember when that news came out like wait what do you mean dave weckle takes lessons yeah exactly you know? steve smith neil peart they all were all of a sudden yeah. taking lessons yeah and so that's kind of that's where peter's at right now i mean obviously he's still killing it with playing and everything and the guy we've mentioned on this podcast before, but from somebody from my generation, let me just tell you right now, that guy does not get enough credit for his apps, for his books. Yeah. Yep. The guy is a legitimate stud of education and pushing things forward. Yeah, he's always on the cutting edge, which is so, so Absolutely. impressive. So impressive. Absolutely. And I just spent time with him at the London Drum Show. That was my first time ever meeting him in person. And wow, I mean, he... I, I had all these visions of jazz professional horror stories in my head. The the guy that we were talking about last week that hums when he's playing piano. Oh, um, Keith Jarrett. That's what I had in my head. <laughs> yeah. like, I don't even want to go shake that dude's hand. I've heard enough stories. Not about Peter, but just about the professional jazz guy that's all yeah. in it. And, dude, talk about a down-to-earth guy. This guy couldn't have been any nicer, man. Yeah, and yeah I agree. I had to play right after him, so I was pretty nervous, and he re- he totally relaxed me, and it, it was great, man. I, I I can't say enough great things about Peter. Yeah, I have a good, I mean, a good story to kind of illustrate. I mean, he's a team player; that's his thing. And I wrote about it in my my editorial for the issue that he's kind of he's kind of defined the art of having no ego whatsoever. Like when yeah. he plays, he's happy to just play quarter notes for three hours straight. He doesn't need to play a drum solo. He's going to play. That was what's his clinic. So he was a guest artist. Um, a friend of mine who's plays the jazz trumpet chair in, in, a, in a big band, he was brought in to be like the guest artist and they were going to record it. Now this is a killer big band. Like their, their regular drummer is one of my favorite drummers on that, that scene. They brought him in and he said it was like everyone just relaxed. It just, and when they recorded, it was like the first take was like they've been playing for, for years. So that's, that's his, his brilliance to me is just to be able to come in and just make everyone just chill and yeah. it just sounds amazing he knows how to record like the record jazz the record a jazz drummer is is not easy i mean i think most especially contemporary jazz guys they just don't record very well there's something about the sound or the way they're hitting the drums but he just knows how to get a beautiful sound at all times yeah and he's he's very conscious of of his subdivisions i think that's what makes it record so well so when my buddy told me that i was like wow that 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 solidifies it. I mean, if he can come in and play with these guys who are pros, like top-notch pros, and everyone's like, "Dude, Peter," <laughs> you know, like, "Dude, Peter." Dude, even their drummer was like, "Yeah, he he's no joke." <laughs> yeah, he, I mean, I, I he now I can't even talk because I'm so excited about him. <laughs> we did the uh, the London Drum Show, and his first track was pretty much all quarter notes, and. This is a room full of a thousand drummers with their arms folded, ready to be wowed by the great Peter Erskine. And he comes out and plays quarter notes, and he wowed them with it. Yeah. And 
But the the fact that he was just like, what What do you need me to do? Are we going to get into an MMA fight here? You need me to prove how badass I am? <laughs> nice. Like, I'm over it, man. Like, I'm going to play this. I just played you a song that deserved quarter notes at a drum festival. And he crushed it. And all of a sudden, it relaxed everybody because everybody thought, wow, I don't have to play a billion notes to be at a drum festival. Someday yeah. I could just be really good at playing time. And because playing time is really hard to do, uh, <laughs> yeah, right? it's pretty rad when someone does it flawlessly. Yeah. So now let me ask you this. Do you have something – and I'm kind of putting you on the spot here. I, and I just – for full transparency, I'm looking at his Wikipedia page. Um, do you have any recordings where you're like, man, that's a really good example of him being Peter? Or do you, would you just say listen to anything he's ever done? Uh, the, um, I think if, if you're not ready for his – current kind of minimalist john Mo- uh, paul motion kind of approach the stuff he did with bob mincer maybe okay. 10 15 years ago it's a little bit more edgy and the okay. arrangements are a little tighter it's it's some of it's big band and some of it's some of it's not but yeah i would say look for the bob mincer stuff that he did over the years that's a good kind of entryway because there's enough drummy stuff to kind of hook you in then you can fully okay. appreciate the more subtle stuff that he's now doing with his trio and stuff yeah Jeez, I'm just I'm looking at his Wikipedia page. It's like Kate Bush, Diana Krall, Elaine Elias, Queen Latifah, Linda Ronstadt, like yeah, Maynard Ferguson, Weather Report, Bob Minster or Mintzer, Mintzer, yes, uh, Mintzer, and yeah, Stan Kenton Orchestra. So, well, definitely read the article, June issue of Modern Drummer. Get inside. I can tell you this as a kid reading Modern Drummer, teenager reading Modern Drummer, and as adult, those cover stories honestly always made me feel like i knew that drummer when i was done reading the cover story i felt like man if i met that person we could have a conversation because i feel like i kind of know them now yeah so take the time you're gonna have a flight somewhere you're gonna have a train ride somewhere take the time and read those articles it's worth it and it'll make you feel more connected to everything so okay now bruh (laughs) the first time you sent me a picture of one of these people's kits is it kumu kumu we gotta pronounce it right yep yep I I don't know if it's the lugs or just the fact that they designed a dope bass drum head logo. It's like classy, it's edgy, and but I was like, okay, I don't know what the drums sound like, but I want one of these. The lugs are out of control. The badges are fantastic. The the logo is incredible, yeah. and they make gorgeous drums. And thank God they know how to set up a drum set for a picture because. When people make drum sets and then they Mickey Mouse ear the toms, yeah, and they, yeah. Yeah, I'm like, dude, why'd you even go to the trouble of taking a picture? <laughs> when when they take pictures of their kits, you feel like I could jump on that right now and yeah. play that thing. So you uh, you got to review the Kumu All Mahogany Limited kit, right? And the All All Maple. So they sent two oh. kits. These were um, these were introduced at the Chicago show, I think maybe two years ago. And that's where I met them. And it was the same thing. I walked by it and I just, my head just jerked over, like, what is that drum set? Yes. It's so clean yet so strikingly beautiful at the same time. And their lugs are cool because they kind of took the design from the F hole that you find on a violin or an upright bass and used that as their design for the, the lugs. Just subtle, but really clean. That's Now, I, I can't completely tell, but those, that piece of metal that's stretching from lug to lug that's not actually touching the shell is it no it's just uh, reinforcing okay. the lugs awesome yeah awesome yeah so they sent uh, a maple kit and a mahogany kit so we could hear the two differences and these are different from they're they're based in finland uh, oh okay these are different from their their regular high-end stuff in that they got the shells made elsewhere 
but um, so this was that's why it's called limited series. It's not their custom shop stuff. It's more like their, um, I guess, like their renowned series type. Sure, like a that great makes sense. Renowned. So they sent them over, and um, I had the same reaction that I have with Canopus drums. Like they just sound good. There's there's no no. Um, they're not like super loud or super this or super that. They're just good, really easy to tune, super clean. They were they were punchy. They kind of reminded me of Premiers uh, from okay. like the early '90s. How they just a little bit punchier than you expect. Even the mahogany kit, which I thought was just going to be real round and, and kind of deep sounding. So they kind of have that well, again, that kind of Gretsch renowned, like just a punchy attack, clear tone. And looks like the mahogany kit has the full kind of baseball bat round over edges. Is the is the maple kit the same, or does it have sharper edges? I no, can look up. they were like they, double forty fives. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So so the mahogany is really made to be as warm as possible. Yeah. But they were wow, consistently man. like really articulate. They were they were okay. beautiful. So I hope uh, hope more people get a chance to check them out. The, what were the sizes you had? The maple kit was kind of like a rock kit, twenty two, twelve, sixteen. And okay. the mahogany was more of a compact kit with two rack toms, a ten and a twelve, and a fourteen inch floor and a twenty inch bass drum. Uh, awesome! Yeah, they're they're great drums. Uh, I know they'll be they'll be showing up more and more. They've been making drums for thirty years, actually. Really? Yeah. Wow, I guess, man! Wow. I guess in Finland, they're they're top dog over there. That's it, they're they're just gorgeous, man. And it's a tough thing to like find a balance between putting some custom touches and finishes on your kit but still being classy without turning it into just kind of something silly. Yeah. And, and how do you stand out in today's drum world when there's so many drums? But I remember you sent me a picture of one of these kits. The kit was black and it was from the Chicago drum show. Yeah. And I just remember being like, okay, I I can't hear it, but I'm in count me in. Yes. It just, you know, and that's, I mean, really that's kind of what people should have more freedom to do is be like, Hey, you don't have to justify everything and tell me how amazing your drums are. Do you like them? That's all I care about. Like, you don't have to tell me why you chose Tama over DW. I, I don't care, man. Do you like your kit? Yeah. And if so, you're going to play it really well because you love your kit. And this is one of those kits where I was like, I don't know why, but it speaks to me. And I can tell you this. If I say too many nice things about this and Gretsch gets upset and kicks me off, I'm going to go buy one of these. I'm going to buy a Craviato, and I'm buying one of these. <laughs> oh, oh, goodness funny. gracious. Well, let's, uh, let's give these things a listen.
well, I am going to absolutely assume that those sounded fantastic, and we all know that I can't hear them until you publish the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm not going to jump the shark and be like, dang, so much low end, even though I've never heard them. So I look forward to listening tomorrow. All right. So before we get into our picks of the week, I do want to mention – God, it must have been like 20 episodes back that we reviewed uh, Angel Drums. Yeah. Right? Well, I got two sets of their custom hoops that are like kind of like single flange, but then they weld on, what would you call it, the ears almost to put the tension rods through so you don't have to have the claws. And I got two sets of them, and I will swear by the fact that they are works of art. I've never been that into like a round piece of metal. I was. I even had a rag with me because I was like, oh, I don't want to get thumbprints on them. They just look fantastic, but I was not at all getting that thin, I don't know, kind of shallow, empty sound that you get out of single flanged hoops. That I mean, it's, it's fine. I, I had a drum that was too boxy. I put on single flanged hoops and actually got it to where I wanted it to be. Yeah. But for the way these look, they actually have quite a bit of weight to them. Yeah. You know, they they're pretty amazing. I think so, they're stainless steel, right? I think so, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I want to give a shout out to Angel Custom. Is it Angel Drums or Angel Custom Drums? Angel Drum. Angel, Angel Drums. Drums. Yeah. So they what are, did you have on that drum yeah. before that? I had Diecast. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I, I, for those of you that haven't seen my Instagram, uh, I sent Mike a picture of I have a fourteen by five and a half, fourteen by five, excuse me, solid aluminum Gretsch USA drum. So it's not rolled aluminum like an Acrylite. This thing is as thick as uh, a six-ply maple shell, and it even has aluminum reinforcement hoops CNC'd into it. It's a it's wow. a thick drum. And uh, I had die-cast hoops, and it was just a really choked-out drum. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, I switched out to these Angel hoops, and, man, it just came to life. And what's funny is the single... F- I, I sent you a picture of my Gretsch USA maple snare that I put single-flanged and claws on, right? right? Yeah. That hoop slipped off the head uh, during camp this week. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, so like it was, it just kept like I was like, man, something's wrong with this snare. And then I looked, and it was almost like the hoop was just, it was like where you would hit it by your thighs, it uh, just kind of almost bent, and and the head slipped through it, and that would go. never happen with these. So yeah. immediately, I was, and those are ones that I got on like DrumMaker.com. They're just kind of cheap single flange yeah. hoops. I really got them for the look, to be honest, not for the sound, but they bend, yeah. and the Angel ones don't. So yeah. if you guys are in the market for some for a cool look, that kind of vintage single flanged hoop look. But you don't want to deal with all the claws, which is annoying when you change a head. Definitely check out Angel Hoops. They're incredible. So, all right, buddy, what is your pick of the week this time? My pick of the week is uh, there's a new company making subkick mics called Solomon. Okay. Um, I think it's called the Low Freak Sub Mic, L O F R E Q Sub Mic. Okay. Um, and it's like a cheaper version, but not cheaper quality to like the, the Yamaha Subkick or the Moon Mic. It's $200. And okay. it's, it's just it, the standard one is just, I think it's like a, maybe a six inch uh, diameter black microphone. So it's not like a subkick that looks like a drum. It doesn't, you have to worry about having the finish of the subkick not match your drum finish or whatever. So just a black microphone, perfect sub sound. I've had to do like no EQ to it, um, except wow. for just like rolling off the extreme highs to get the cymbals out of it or whatever. But it sounds great. Easy to position because it's smaller than the Subkick. Um, they've signed some artists. So there's a Daru Jones signature model that's that he, I guess, helped design the look or maybe modified the uh, the microphone itself. That's a little bit more expensive. 
but the regular one is uh, one ninety nine, two hundred bucks online. Let me ask you this, since I, I truly don't know the answer to this. Is there a difference between using a subkick mic and then just adding more sixty hertz or fifty hertz to your bass drum mic? I mean, well, what is the purpose of having this? It's to give you the uh, to separate the channels. I mean, you could okay. you could approximate it by by duplicating your bass drum mic channel and EQ in one for attack and then EQ in one just for low end. That okay. would that would approximate it. But this thing is just it's only going to pick up stuff from like a hundred hertz and down. So okay, there's oh so it, it, there's no bleed of like you're not getting cymbal wash and snares in not there. Not really, just a tiny, tiny little like it. It sounds as if you're in a whole different room and you hear someone playing drums. So it, I got gotcha. you. It's not getting okay. the bleed that a, that a normal kick drum mic would get. So just and especially for live, it, it's great for for being able to have something you can just focus straight to the subs. Um, and I always record with it. I don't always use a sub, but I always record with it and usually just mix it in so it just gives a little bit of weight to the kick drum so you don't really okay. hear it it just kind of puffs it you know pushes you feel it, it. exactly and it's it's a it's a nice mic so i'm sure we'll see a lot more people and you say it's it. only 200 bucks 200 or bucks 199 yep wow. 199 uh at all the online retailers daru jones is 250 you're paying okay. more for his but yeah check it out and they have a white That's one awesome. and a and a and a wood grain one so there's different options wood grain that's awesome yeah very cool well my pick of the week this time is uh, only Mike can see this since you guys are not online. You can hear the beep. But this is a 4K camera, and it's on a three-axis gimbal, and it's called the DJI Osmo. And let me turn it on so Mike can see this thing. Um, so no matter what I do, the camera will stay completely centered. So if you're kind of walking around and you oh, want wow. to have no shake whatsoever, what? this is the way to go. Uh, <laughs> this So it's a three-axis gimbal with a 4K camera attached, and it is absolutely incredible. Um, so what I was thinking about doing was getting a 4K GoPro and then a three-axis gimbal for that. And if you guys don't know, a three-axis gimbal is just kind of like it holds your camera and it makes it so there's no shake. It looks like – it honestly looks like a movie. It mm-hmm. looks like it's on a glide track. Well, I have amazing cameras here, and I even have a big boy uh, DJI 3-axis gimbal, which is like what they would use in a movie. The problem is when I'm taking my campers down to the river so we can kind of have some talk time or maybe even tap on a, I don't know, on a bridge, I don't want to bring down a multi-thousand-dollar camera with a multi-thousand-dollar lens and a multi-thousand-dollar gimbal. And I, I'm not trying to shoot a movie. Yeah. So I just wanted something I can hold. So I used to, I tried my iPhone, and it, it was cool, but it was like, eh. The distance between my normal quality and then the iPhone, just it's just too much. So I was going to get a 4K GoPro and a 3-axis gimbal, but the 4K GoPro is like $400. And then a nice gimbal for it is about another $400. So that's $800. Oof, yeah. And this was $580, and it's all built into one. Mm. And, it's, it's a, and it's a 4K camera. It takes a mini SD card just like a GoPro would. So I've got in the camera itself this little ball that you'll see if you look it up online, the DJI Osmo. I've got a 64-gig card, which is going to last me more than the battery will. And it's awesome. It came with a great carrying case. And and then what's really cool is the camera itself has its own Wi-Fi signal. So, um, Mike, you can see, but they'll just have to look up online. 
there's a phone holder here that you put your phone into, and then your phone becomes the viewfinder and the controls. You can control the ISO, you can control the uh, aperture, you can, and even on your phone, you can touch a point in the screen, and then from that moment on, the camera will always stay focused on that point no matter where you move your hand or anything. So it'll be like a tracking device. That's amazing. Uh, it's a very cool thing, and I actually I bought the three-axis gimbal for iPhones, which is about $350, $400, and it's it's not even close as far it it kept kind of not staying centered and it was it was kind of a nightmare so this one if you're in the mood now if you're trying to record yourself this is exactly what i would not recommend this is for somebody because someone needs to hold the damn thing yeah yeah. right so this is not what i would recommend the 4k gopro or something this is like hey i'm traveling a lot i want to i want to take videos everywhere i go and i don't want to carry a bunch of stuff this will solve all your problems so it's the dji osmo uh i i got it on amazon for 580 i'm sure you can find it somewhere between 580 and 650 how's the audio i haven't tried drum audio yet so uh, i do know they sell a separate mic that plugs into it and i'm looking i mean i literally just got this a couple days ago um, there is a USB in, so I don't know if it's USB audio. I mean, if I could use that for audio, but I can see a USB in. I don't see like a an eighth inch jack or anything like that. So I'll let you know, and maybe we'll do a more extensive review on it later. But at the moment, the camera and the gimbal itself is flawless. So. Sweet. Excellent. Awesome. Well, buddy, it is, wow, episode 40 in the can. Yeah. How's your stomach? I'm okay. I haven't <laughs> passed out. I'm actually more worried about how my eyes going to be because uh, I've never passed out in my life. That's, that's and I just scary, yeah. I hit the deck, man. <laughs> Glad I didn't bust out any teeth. Good thing you weren't walking. Oh, I well, luckily I couldn't. But yeah, yeah no, I, yeah, it wasn't that far of a fall because I was crawling like a little child, whimpering. <laughs> but anyways, all is good. As soon as I saw that Kumu All Mahogany Limited, boom, <laughs> stomachache gone and shark jumped. oh i can't tell you how much i love sunlight's new line of drum sets are killing all right everybody have a fantastic oh god here comes the emails from sunlight everyone have a fantastic week please if you get a chance throw us a little four or five star rating it honestly helps other people find this podcast and that is our goal to get drummers to have something to listen to where they feel like they're kind of in the loop and they get to know the drum companies and the names and the all the terms and that is what mike and i are trying to bring you so if you could do that we would highly appreciate it. if you have more questions send them into md at modern drummer doc md info <laughs> at modern drummer.com bro that is so redundant it's modern drummer info at modern drummer.com that's okay i'm not even gonna go there md info at modern drummer <laughs> You guys should have seen the look on his face when I messed it up. <laughs> he like literally, he literally went postal on on, I'd on Skype, shooting laser beams through the yeah. Skype line. <laughs> oh, anyways, you know what to do. MD info at moderndrummer and we will see you guys and talk to you guys next week. All right, see ya. Peace.